I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. As well as the Making Star Wars Podcast Network. Steel Wars Live returns to Geeky T's Burbank Saturday, the 12th of January at 6 p.m. for our traditional beginning of the year Star Wars news prediction show, where audience members live and around the world get to make their Star Wars news predictions for 2019, which of course we will review at the end of the year. And as this is the first time we've ever done this before a live audience, we will have an audience mic, so you'll get to chat on the podcast as well with our all-star Star Wars panel. It's going to be the best of times, and you can save a couple of bucks for buying your tickets online before the day of the show. Check it all out at merchostore.com. The link is in the show notes. Cannot wait for this show. It is going to be so much fun. Bethany Lucina is an Associate Professor of Political Science at the University of Rochester and a lifelong Star Wars fan. Her recent article in the Washington Post titled Who Hates Star Wars for Its Newfound Diversity? Here are the numbers that analysed thousands of Star Wars fan tweets quickly became the talk of Star Wars fandom. What was the question that you were setting out to answer? You mentioned before that, you know, what, what do I want the answer of? What was, what was your question? Are people talking about Star Wars differently when they're talking about the first non-white female lead? And then second question, are people talking to female fans differently than they talk to male fans? We look at the process of Bethany's work and what insight can be gained from it and discuss its effect on the Star Wars brand as a whole and how Lucasfilm has handled the issue of toxic online fandom. Lucasfilm has been more proactive about saying this kind of behavior when it touches on our actors and employees is inappropriate um you know they like they jumped in and sort of cut ties with the people who were harassing andy gutierrez right away like there are there are other media companies that have not done like as nearly as much to like uh sort of confront uh alt-right harassment so so i think if Lucasfilm was trying to like keep it a secret that the alt-right was angry at them, they'd be doing what a lot of other companies are doing, which is uh, you know, trying to pretend it's not happening. Plus, we talk funny childhood Star Wars misconceptions and weigh up the pros and cons of how the story of the sequel trilogy has come together. This is Star Wars Episode 185, Bethany Lacina, The Washington Post breaks down Star Wars Twitter. 
Hey, you guys. Welcome to Steel Wars. I am comedian Steel Saunders, and I do love Star Wars. And each week we find someone of interest to talk about it with. And this week's guest comes of way of us from the University of Rochester, which sounds very impressive for our silly little podcast. But welcome to the podcast, Beth Lacina. How are you? I'm well. Thank you for having me. Thanks for being had. And you're an associate professor of political science. Mm-hmm. Can you dumb that down a little bit for me? <laughs> uh, associate professor means I've uh, been given tenure. Is tenure like like a scholarly way of saying you're a true fan? Um, so tenure is like being made. No one can kill you without permission. <laughs> God, Bethany is not going to be sleeping with the fishes. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, you can't be let go unless the university closes or you really screw up. Oh, really? Yes. Wow. I feel like I've got podcast tenure then. Um, d- d- yeah, because because <laughs> you're your own boss, so you you've had tenure from day one. You wrote a uh, article in the Washington Post, which was mm-hmm. very impressive, and it, and it got a lot of people talking. That's for sure. And the article was titled "Who Hates Star Wars for Its Newfound Diversity." Here are the numbers. Now, mm-hmm. we'll um, we'll get into this a bit deeper later on in the podcast because I want to find out about your Star Wars fandom a little bit first. But what was the gist of the article? What was the the tweet describing what the article was about? Mm-hmm. I looked at thousands of posts on Star Wars Twitter. And people use more derogatory and offensive language to talk about Kelly Marie Tran slash Rose Tico than to talk about Star Wars in general. And I also looked at the uh, replies and mentions that male and female fan podcasters were getting and women get more hate mail on Twitter. That pretty much sums it up, yeah. And yep. it, it got a lot of attention and a lot of other, like, I, I, I love, this is my favorite thing about the internet. And this is when you know you're, um, you know, you're getting a, a conversation started, Beth. But that's when your blog has blogs about its blogs. When, you, when you're spawning the, extra uh, blogs, yes. when you, you're, yeah. you're feeding the internet after midnight. Well, this this is so exciting for me. My dissertation was about federalism in India and even my mom didn't read it. So I'm just tickled that someone has read something I did. <laughs> I, I, I can really relate to that sensation, but we won't go into that. But uh, let's, let's talk a bit of Star Wars, Beth. Uh, what, what's your mm-hmm. first memory of Star Wars? Um. We had the VHS tapes at home. You have to tell us what covers. You, like, set the scene. What, oh, what, what, so, what box so set did you have? My parents are so, um, well, the way they are, that, that we had bootleg copies. You know, they checked it out of the library, and we'd stolen it and then, uh, you know, written on the, the self-stick label, Empire Strikes Back, that sort of thing. Um, I... Uh, was really worried the first time I read one of those FBI warnings. I thought, oh, my God, my parents are going down. I I can't believe this interview's turned into a confession. 
Yes, yes. Um, but uh, I think there's a statute of limitations. I'll, I think they'll be okay. Dude, we have got fresh yeah. evidence. I'm going to do uh, like a, a, um, a making a murderer over your VHS bootlegging. I'm going to be putting the pieces oh. together on Netflix. Yep, yep. This is where it all went bad. <laughs> uh, I just learned to be a scofflaw. Um so, but I can I can kind of remember what it was like to watch the movies and have my mom read the subtitles when Java's on the screen and that sort of thing, because uh, you know I was watching it before I could read. Mm-hmm. So that's that's the first time Star Wars kind of registers in in my memory. Nice. And and who was your who was your character throughout the series? Oh. Um, Growing up, I was just all about the Ewoks. Wicked yes. was was my my whole world. I just wanted a teddy bear like that. Um, but uh, you know, there have been times in my life when I liked it less and liked it more. So I, I I don't know if I could pick a favorite now. It might be Grand Moff Tarkin, but ooh, really? he's just so delicious. The evil. <laughs> I mean, I just love it. That um, did you read the Tarkin book? No, no, um, I I don't uh, know my um, novels as well as one could. Yeah, well, I I I can rarely find time to read them, but I I, I audio book them. And if if you're a Tarkin fan, it, it goes into some pretty uh, scintillating backstory. <laughs> it's um, yeah. he's a he's a real. Just he's a man's man. He goes out. Into huh. the, he goes out into the forest and just has challenges and and yeah, it's 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 pretty impressive. It's pretty okay. impressive. So uh, check that out. What um what about background characters and stuff? Do I have a favorite background character? What about your favorite background Ewok? Like, you've got your wicket, um, your chirper, your low gray, yes. but the, the lesser known walks. Well, the babies, right? Oh. Like who are curling into their mom's arms when C-3PO is doing the Darth Vader impression. <laughs> and it's so sad. Oh, I've got a little Persian cat called Jerry. And when I slick his hair back to clean mm-hmm. his eyes and his hair goes back a bit, ha! he is like a wackling. Like, and, he, and he looks like sometimes he looks fake. Like it's so <laughs> pure cuteness. It's like... Right. Like he almost, yeah, he looks like a fake toy because it's, yeah. it's like that, um, is it, what do they call the uncanny valley? Like when Tarkin right, came back. Right. Yeah. It's, that's yes. like me for when him in real life seems fake to me because he's, he's too cute. He's pushed the right. threshold. But baby Ewoks, the best, mm-hmm. the best. Yeah. What about, what, what's, your, what's your favorite scene? Um, well, it's it's actually uh, the the snow um, lightsaber fight in Force Awakens. Uh, that's that's just visually so interesting. Yeah, the um, yeah, just the snow on the lightsabers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like that, you know, sizzling. You D- makes sense. Of course, it would sizzle. I was um, I was thinking about this before and about. Like when Ray catches the lightsaber, mm-hmm. I remember the first time I saw it in the cinema and just thinking, "Oh my god, that classic moment!" Like, like instant, 
Like the second I saw it, I was like, oh, this is one of those ones for the ages. This is mm-hmm. like Yoda lifting the X-Wing and Luke looking out over the twin suns. It was like this thing of just like, ah, instant classic. This is the best. Yeah. So this weekend I was watching uh, New Hope with my son. And when we got to Burning Homestead, I was like, this is the exact musical cue that you hear when Ray catches the lightsaber. It's called answering the call. It's very important. My my <laughs> son was not was not impressed. That's not, you know, uh, answering the call from the Joseph Campbell thing. Obviously, that's not the name of the, the musical cue, but uh he, he was not impressed by my knowledge of comparative mythology. Well, I am. And I feel like I'm going to be hitting you up for a lot of uh, parenting <laughs> tips. <laughs> I, it sounds like you're doing it spot on. Spot yeah, he's on. covering the important things, right? Um, <laughs> tying shoes still in the future. But we're getting our Star Wars knowledge. I like that um, he's got this in-house director's commentary. That's pretty cool. <laughs> Sometimes I stick stuff that like that in there to de-intensify it for him. He is still uh, pretty easily freaked out by stuff. So, uh, you know, I'll start blabbing during something that's sad, like seeing burning skeletons. Ah, I love like people that don't know much about Star Wars' impressions on Star Wars because it's such a like an odd world like you know when you just think Mm -hmm. that they hid luke skywalker and called him luke skywalker yeah like like there's just things that when you look at the forest from the trees or whatever Mm -hmm. with fresh eyes but i especially love like children's because i i had all these misconceptions about star wars when i was little and you make stuff up but yep. do you have any um like questions or comments that your son has given about star wars that um that really tickled your fancy at how he was looking at it well um speaking of ray catching the lightsaber he thinks that kylo sort of flailing like that's supposed to be played for laughs he thinks that's hilarious <laughs> Um, it is actually, it's pretty good. But, uh, I actually remember one of my own misconceptions better when Luke, uh, you know, he's struck down his father. He looks at his hand, um, sees it, you know, they're black and realizes the, the potential to, to become evil. Mm -hmm. I was actually an adult before I realized nothing had happened by magic. Like I'd somehow forgotten that he'd already lost that hand and it was already a robot hand. Like I, as a kid, I kind of like thought, you know, it, it, it like at that instant Vader's hand jumps from, you know, onto Luke. And <laughs> I think I was like 14 or 15 when it hit me like, oh, wait, no, no, that's not what's happening at all. Um, it's much more literal than that. So, so did you think that he was like tripping out and hallucinating or it was sort of doing like a a venom symbiote jump over to Luke. Well, yeah. So more like that, because there, you know, there was no prequels yet. So I didn't really know how Vader got his suit. And I think I assumed it was like some sort of force magic. Like each time he'd done an evil deed, like a bit of him had turned into a machine. Mm. Um. Uh, like the Tin Woodman in, in Wizard of Oz. Wow, no offense, but that is a horrible theory. 
You know, um, it it is the theory of of a small child. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's 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 for the best that they they didn't. They didn't ask me how Vader got his suit. Their their explanation is much more straightforward. In your role as associate professor of political science, mm-hmm. how does that like crossover with like social media? Like, what's your sort of expertise or that you brought yeah. to this project? So my my expertise is ethnic conflict, um, and I've traditionally studied this not in the United States. Uh, I've had in my mind for a while that I was kind of struck by uh, how much of American identity politics was getting played out in the realm of popular culture. Mm. And then when that hit The Last Jedi, started following that pretty closely. And um, this this being an associate professor who's tenured, this is, this is a new thing for me. I got the promotion in about March. Um, and you know, I wanted to kind of, I don't know, just do something that, that it it wasn't obvious how I was going to publish that in an academic outlet. It would just be something that was interesting for me. So I decided, okay, I'm going to spend a couple months looking at star Wars And how this has become like a political football. So maybe just as a touchstone to other things that you've covered, like what what Mm -hmm. sort of things are we talking about? Like Brexit, that sort of thing, or? So uh, like, for example, uh, I have a book I wrote with another uh, guy, Rakil Bhavnani, who's at Wisconsin. It's about um, people in poor countries being upset over migration and, um, It's kind of similar to something like the backlash against international migration here, except it tends to be against domestic migration. So uh, like people in eastern China who are upset that people from western China are moving to the cities and Mm -hmm. messing things up. So um, there's this kind of underlying anxiety about the world changing and that morphing into ethnic conflict uh, that when I started this seemed like a subplot in American politics. Um, like, I mean, when I started in political science, you know, uh, 18 years ago or whatever, but now, now seems kind of like the main event. Explain the, the, the process, like the, you know, you decide you want to cover this and and and, and write a, a paper on it. Like, mm-hmm. what what what's your first step? The real first step is uh, trying to figure out if someone else has already done it. Then there's a period of just kind of looking around, trying to figure out is there a question I want to answer. Um, you know, I can't just say, "Ah, oh, this is an interesting thing." You know? uh, but then. Uh, when Kelly Marie Tran left Instagram and then uh, the Andy Gutierrez stuff went down uh, where she was getting harassed on Twitter, this conversation uh, sprung up that, you know, occurs you know, pretty frequently on Twitter about, look, everybody gets harassed on social media. 
Um, that's just part of it. Uh, nobody has it any better or worse. And look, you know, uh, Star Wars fans have been torturing people for decades. Uh, there's nothing special here. And I thought, it's, you know, it's very unlikely that everyone has it equally bad. So I'm going to look into that. Yeah, I, I, I find that response like, like I need a gif. Just give me a gif, the most gift out gift of someone like slapping <laughs> their head in their face of, with disbelief. The, the, the fact that something shouldn't be combated because you suffer it too, like, mm-hmm. like yeah. r- rather than trying to make it better for someone, you're just like, just out of like the thought that maybe it will be better for someone than it is for you. You just like, let's just accept it. And you're kind of like, you're fueled by the harassment that you get to mm-hmm. pass this harassment on. But I just want to, um, just qualify because sometimes, you know, people that listen to the podcast, they're not on Twitter all the time, but yeah, yeah. With, with Andy from the Star Wars show and you know, Rebels Recon, there was a like photo, which was taken, I think in 2015, very like before we entered. Yeah. That's my understanding as well. Yeah. Before yeah. we entered the discourse era, <laughs> But, um, and she had a coffee cup that said fanboy tears on it and she mm-hmm. was just sipping out of it. And, um, some other podcasters had, you know, just made it as like fun merchandise, which mm-hmm. is, um, you know, who am I to cast the first stone <laughs> at that sort of thing? And, um, yeah, someone that was a bit disgruntled with the, uh, feedback they were getting on Twitter decided to repost that without the date and right. and tag a few people that are known for their riling people up against like Lucasfilm employees mm-hmm. and you know that sparked a surge of um, less than pleasant tweets Andy's way and mm-hmm. you know she's like like for someone that's in her position she's such a cool Star Wars fan. <laughs> like, I, I should begrudge the hell out of her for having that sweet job. But, like, she carries that with such grace and, like, humility. It's, mm-hmm. like, it's it's quite admirable. That, and, and that says a lot about me, that I'm impressed that I don't begrudge her. <laughs> <laughs> so, how do you gather the data? So, uh, you... Pay Twitter. Uh, that's step one. And then they give you access to a set of um, kind of portals that instead of delivering Twitter the way you see it with the formatting and everything, just deliver it to you as raw data. Do that. You get all kinds of details on whatever set of tweets you've searched for, and uh, including the, the text of whatever somebody tweeted. And so then that text becomes the input into uh, other computer programs that characterize language as either inflammatory or offensive or hate speech or, you know, there's different algorithms you can ask to, to uh, characterize the speech on different dimensions. Now, I've never heard about this paid for Twitter <laughs> service. That's very um, dark room stuff you've got going on there. But can you pay extra again and have all those tweets faxed to you? <laughs> um, no. 
Okay. You cannot. Um, so get with the, it, Jack. Come on, Jack. Yes. <laughs> um, they. Yeah, I mean, it's it's super creepy that they do this, um, but they do manage to make it uh, sort of shrouded in mystery. You know, it's not it's not the easiest thing in the world to find the part of the website where you ask them to do this. So yeah, I think that I think it's no accident that you can't get it by fax. They want it to be not too obvious they're doing this. And um, I, I should just point out that today's episode is brought to you by Twitter's Dark Room. And when you want to sign up for it, use coupon code Steel Wars for ten <laughs> percent off your first privacy violating <laughs> search. <laughs> That's Steel Wars. Now, just in like overlooking, like just Twitter in general. I'm not sure if you know this, but on Twitter, do people? in general, like stuff more than they dislike stuff? No, but they spend a lot of time agreeing with each other about how terrible things are. Um, so the, the like modal Twitter thread is post about how someone is terrible or stupid or something, and a bunch of people congratulating the original poster on recognizing how terrible and stupid the thing is. Ah, so... If I am decoding that correctly, there's less tweets decrying stuff, but those tweets have more replies. Yes, and it's, and most people are only kind of interact with people who agree with them. So from the point of view of the original poster, they're getting lots of pats on the back, but what they're all sort of talking about is how much they hate something. Interesting. Interesting. Now, um, what was the question that you were setting out to answer? You mentioned before that, you know, what, what do I want the answer of? What was, what was your question? Are people talking about Star Wars differently when they're talking about the first non-white female lead? And then second question, are people talking to female fans differently than they talk to male fans? It's it's interesting, like in in Star Wars podcasts and and Star Wars Twitter and stuff like that. Some fans like a complaint about the mm-hmm. output is you know stick to talking about the movies, keep politics out of Star Wars. Right. Ironically, the first thing you find out in the Star Wars is that it's civil war. So <laughs> that like it's this catch twenty two. But I get what they right. mean. They don't want to know about the politics of making a Star Wars yes, film. Yes, right. But I, like, my coverage of, of Star Wars is, like, the the original intent was to cover the human experience of sort mm-hmm. of being a Star Wars fan and to follow people's, like, it's interesting how you can, like, love George Lucas, love all his films, but then begrudge him for certain things that he's done. Mm-hmm. But you still love him overall because he's. It, it's sort of like a relationship you have with a friend. Like you don't have right. 100% perfect friends. And it's, it's, it's like weighing that up. And I, I sort of, like I'm fascinated with 
And I think that's why a lot of like podcast listeners listen to the same people over and over because they want to see how like this new thing that's inputted into the thing they love, how it affects them like emotionally mm-hmm. and, and like their idea of what should be going on. So like, can you like with the way that like, it, it's weird because five years ago, I wouldn't think that politics affects media that much like like star mm-hmm. wars but, right but then i don't know if i was just naive or it shifted but the idea of what politics is has changed for me like it's right like yes. like sort of i didn't think this opinion was political i just thought this was right like i didn't yes i didn't think it was yeah. about economic policy or anything mm-hmm. like you know should you invest in you know, waterways or whatever. But like, is it, I guess maybe five years ago, was it possible to keep politics out of Star Wars and now just society has shifted to what politics is? Can I also ask you, have you ever been asked a longer question? Uh, you know, that was more of a comment, less of a question, you know? I'm the the Uh, worst panel questioner ever. More, More of a comment than a question for the panel. But continue, continue. <laughs> um, so I guess there have been dust-ups over Star Wars politics in the past, but they were always about uh, kind of foreign policy and um, American militarism. And is this all a metaphor for something about the Vietnam War, the Iraq War, that kind of thing? Mm-hmm. Um, the... What's, what's really different kind of after Gamergate in particular is there's a, you know, somewhat amorphous, but nonetheless real movement of people whose main political grievance is the changing nature of popular culture and uh, the status of white men in popular culture. And, once that's the metric by which people are judging popular culture, there's literally no way to sort of not be evaluated on that standard. You know, whatever your movie, your song, your book, whatever, it either has lots of white men in it or it doesn't. Um, you, you can't, I suppose, maybe if you made something super abstract, you could avoid kind of taking a position in that cultural war. But the the central grievance of who gets to be in stories is is just so general that it's hard to imagine how Star Wars could avoid falling on one side or the other. And it, the other thing that I find, even with discussing like fan discourse. And when you want to talk about the movies is kind of like this whole sort of fan reaction, this sort of like the, in my eyes, sort of overzealousness, the, the lack of a gauge of how much importance you should place on your displeasure in a film is it's this sort of discourse that sent George Lucas away. Mm-hmm. And so it, it is like a huge part of Star Wars history. Yeah. That 
like this sort of thing. Like it, it, it's, you know, and looking at your study, it's, it's quite interesting that like Katie Lucas, George's daughter mm-hmm. was driven off Twitter. I, I, not, not, right. not long before George Lucas sold Star Wars. Yeah. So I'll tell you a, a, a dark secret. Um, I'm one of the people who didn't think Phantom Menace was that compelling. Um, and uh, I know like liking the prequels is now more fashionable, but um, I didn't. I'm, I'm picturing you now in like a, a Phantom Menace dislike as anonymous meeting, like with the circle of yes, disposable chairs. Yes, all the people chairs. who are, are, you know, still... Uh, Still not convinced. Um, <laughs> so, and at the time, there were, I, I don't know, sort of, I, I don't know who exactly said it, but Lucasfilm adjacent people who sort of put out the idea that, look, these are movies for kids, and if you don't like this, you're just a killjoy. And that genuinely sort of hurt my feelings. And uh, when people started, uh, you know, posting little videos about not liking it, that felt affirming like okay i'm not crazy someone else thinks there's possibly something wrong with this um and so when so like the the experience of being disappointed by star wars is not is not totally foreign to me Mm. um and i'm unclear why people don't just break up with star Wars after it disappoints them so, so deeply. Like, I don't know what keeps people talking for months about being unhappy with it. Um, and I, I don't, I, I don't know. Um, what people think they're fighting for, like what, what they imagine that we're, we're going to accomplish. Like I, I still have to live with the phantom menace. So everyone else, everyone else is going to make it too. We're going to be strong together. Um, you've got the movies you don't like. I've got the movies I don't like. <sighs> but yeah. we're survivors. Yeah, and I, I sort of think the difference of opinion is fascinating. Like, mm-hmm. I, I, I yeah. find that, like, fascinating to how people's opinions sway over time and how mm-hmm. me and another fan can love the same scene and then we talk about another scene and we both have completely different opinions. I, I, I find that like so interesting. And I think what, like the curse of Star Wars is that G Lucas in 1977, like dropped the best film ever. Like it was just the, the most banging film of all time. Mm-hmm. And it was perfection. Do you know what I mean? And then he then had to compete with like the best thing ever and have it like, unlike other films that 
like would not be you know of course if you go mm-hmm. to see like Krull or something you're going to compare it to Star Wars but these like you know Return of the Jedi was directly like competing with Star Wars yeah. and every time you start from this perfect thing and then you make another one and it's not an absolute duplicate it's going to be it's going to veer off where a large percentage of the fans think it's going to go and mm-hmm. and then when you do that again and again and again like it, it you sort of it's always going to be like 10 to 15% off or 50% off what you thought it was going to go but then other people are going to be less so and i guess that's what i find it so interesting is just how people deal with that and like even what people thought should happen directly after the force awakens by their undisputed logic compared to what actually happened. I, I, right. Like it's it's sort of like human nature that people are not going to like stuff and then going to like, do you know what I mean? They're going to sway mm-hmm. and not everyone's going to agree. Like I put up a poll yesterday about whether Ray should have a double-ended uh, yeah. different colored lightsaber. Right. And like the results weren't, like the lowest, like out of the four options, I think the lowest result was like 19% or something. So it's it's mm-hmm. pretty even. Uh, and, and that was sort of was like, well, no one's opinion's right. It's just yeah. their, their, their taste. But I guess when one person gets to have their taste and have it pasted up on the movie screen for two hours. Right, right. It, 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 it bugs people yeah a little bit more now i'm interested with the um the the, something that could be comparable to different time periods and that's the tweets uh to female fans Mm -hmm. did you do any monitoring of like the temperament of those tweets like pre the last jedi no no so uh that that's actually interesting it would be uh, uh striking to see if if this disparity has gotten worse um, over time as people have gotten sort of more angry about the state of the films. I do, I will highlight though, that that one thing that's easy to miss with the this part of the article about just the subtle ways people are treated differently is this, this isn't all about people who disliked The Last Jedi or right-wingers um, you know, even if my thing is that I loved The Last Jedi and I just run around Twitter defending its honor, um, if I'm way nastier to women than men when I'm doing that, that's that's a sign that I am, you know, acting out a kind of unconscious bias about who needs my wisdom and, you know, uh, who's who gets a certain amount of respect and who doesn't. Um, and that's, that's something that, you know, if you pretty much everyone on earth has unconscious racial and gender biases. Um, so it's, it's something you can think about being better about, even if you are, you know, one of the people who, is very pleased with how Star Wars is going. So how did you like select the accounts that you were going to cover or, uh, or yeah. monitor? Yeah. Yeah. So um, I looked at the Star Wars community page um, 
and took those accounts, uh, the, the, the podcast there, and then you know, went and found the Twitter accounts associated with them. I didn't have quite enough women at that point, so I found a couple of additional accounts that had been recommended by various Lucasfilm employees. And I took the StarWars.com podcast plus these other Lucasfilm recommendations because, um, as you know, uh, since you have the, the Disney shill T-shirts, one of the things people debate about is, you know, is there an inappropriate relationship between some, you know, of fan media and Lucasfilm itself? So what I wanted to avoid was, you know, the like maybe women are treated worse because the shills are all women, um, and maybe that's skewing the results. So I wanted to take people, all of whom, you know, would be vulnerable to this, this charge of shilling. Yeah. It's, um, it's interesting, the whole shill thing and, and a perceived like, like what, what, how did you state that? A, um, a illegitimate relationship or something like, right. Right. A corrupted relationship or between like, Lucasfilm as a company and and you mm-hmm. know, pe- people that cover it, it's like when people cover the NBA, there is some courtesy from mm-hmm. like the thing getting covered to the people covering them. It's um you know it, it's pretty across the board, but for for some reason in 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 things like this, it's like some people think it should be covered in some yeah. sort of adversarial like why and and not with like a little bit of cooperation it seems like that would probably be a pretty reasonable thing to say if we were really in politics but um and it it might even be reasonable to say uh i'm worried that there are professional journalists who kind of look the other way when bad behavior is reported in Hollywood because the long-term financial viability of these entertainment publications depends on access. But these are fan podcasts. Um, They, they don't, uh, you know, have millions of dollars at stake and they're not getting, there's there's no reason to think they have access to some sort of like scandalous sex tapes that they'd be covering up. You know, they they're not. Uh, it's just it's hard to see how something truly morally compromising would be happening. <laughs> and I can be accused of this, but when we do have interactions, we're not exactly hiding them. <laughs> <laughs> like we're not meeting in a park <laughs> on a bench in, oh. in trench coats. Like I, I, I saw someone You say that, but you would, <laughs> wouldn't you? That's what someone that was doing that would say. Yes. You've got yes. me out. I, yeah. I remember someone was, um, I don't know, made a video or a tweet about me or something. And it was like seen here at the solo premiere. Like it was some sort of like mm-hmm. someone from across the road took it from a, a vantage point sniped me when it was mm-hmm. like, dude, 
that's my current <laughs> Facebook profile photo. That's you, how much yes. sleuthing did you do? To they be... just found out you are in fact a fan. You do love Star Wars. They yeah. put it together. And, and I think this comes why Andy sort of gets a lot of heat, like from people disgruntled. Is like there's also that why why is she doing it? Why, why, why isn't it me? I'm a true fan because I did this yes, thing. Yeah. I, I slept in the snow this time or I know what this Star Destroyer is called or, or something like that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And I think yeah. whether you know you're doing that or not, sometimes that can sort of like feed into FOMO or whatever the kids yeah, say. Yeah, I mean, days. how do you not envy the people who get to be closest to the magic? Like, oh, that would be so awesome. As you guys know, independent podcasts live or die based on listener word of mouth. Listeners just like you. So if you are enjoying this episode of Steel Wars, please pod it forward. The new episode announcement is normally pinned to the top of my Facebook and Twitter feeds. And if you want to give that a comment or a share, that really helps us spread the word. Plus, if you use iTunes, jump on there and give us a sweet five-star review to bump us up the rankings and let potential listeners know that we're doing some good stuff. A few seconds out of your social media day could really help us out. Plus, I always enjoy hearing what you guys think of the latest episode. So please, pod it forward and let's get back to that show. How did you qualify the uh, the tweets? From from what I've read is mm-hmm. that there is a some sort of computer algorithm that sort of filters them to you, but right. then you actually read them all as well to make sure the algorithm was on point. Right. So I read everything that the computer flagged as bad um, and threw out anything where once I'd read it, it was like, oh, no, that's not so bad. Um, which because I was most worried about being accused of overstating the problem. Mm-hmm. The, the flip side of that is since I didn't read all the things the computer said was OK, you know, there's there probably is bad stuff that I missed. Um, so that's like it chose to be conservative with the, the estimate of, of how much bad stuff was coming out on Twitter. Um, and the, the algorithms themselves are very uh, they're they're a little mysterious to work with because it's not just like a list of naughty words. The, the way they build these things is they they take a whole bunch of sentences um, and they have people, usually undergrads, sit down and say, okay, this is bad, this is not. Um, and based on that, they come up with this list of, okay, so computer, here's a pile of sentences that are okay and here's a pile of sentences that are offensive. And now build us a model that correctly predicts these sentences. Um, and then, then we're going to apply it to some new stuff. So what that means is it's hard. There's, there's no sort of exact theory of the bad things you can't say. It's more like this is the computer's best guess of what other pe- or of what people period find offensive or inflammatory or, or what have you. 
what, what what is the ratio? How many like uh, like bad tweets were there out of the tweets that were, you know, like is it you got a, a hundred out of a thousand or? So I think I said something like six percent of tweets were flagged for offensive language, um, and the computer kind of rarely makes a mistake there. Like swear words are pretty easy to to pick up on. Um, and something like 1% were flagged as hate speech, which is a term that the, the people who designed this computer program use. I, I'm not crazy about it because I don't know exactly what it means, but it's sort of very offensive slurs or threats of violence or something that's just, you know, uh, really combative. Mm. Um, and... And that was about 1% of tweets. The caveat in all this, of course, is if the, something is deleted, it's it's gone. You can't get it from uh, – Twitter still has it, but they don't they, – they graciously don't sell those. Uh, so just to gauge where a tweet sits, if, mm-hmm. if someone replies to someone to something, why don't you go kill yourself? Yeah, that's going to get flagged as hate speech. So that's in the 1%? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I okay. mean, almost certainly. Okay. Oh, because, do you know what I mean? Like, there mm-hmm. is that, like, some people, and, and depending of their, I, of their experiences in their life with their friends mm-hmm. and family, some people say, won't you go kill yourself, is like a, a casual, you know, whatever. And mm-hmm. then for other people, it you know, it's a hateful thing to say to someone. Right. And for a lot of people receiving it because of, you know, their experiences in their life, it is, regardless of how it's said, it has the same effect. Yes, right. You're mainly looking for discussion about Kelly Marie Tran and Rose Tico, yeah? Uh, yeah, so that was the sort of uh, comparing that to everything else. Mm-hmm. So the, the everything else is Star Wars, The Last Jedi, various you know, uh, misspellings and abbreviations of that, that kind of thing. Okay. So I guess someone that I guess is an advocate of awareness for harassment online might sort of say that it didn't capture and like, cause then you've got Admiral Holdo and you've got mm-hmm. Kathleen Kennedy. Yep. So it like the, the percentage, if you widened the, um, the search terms would like logically go up. Uh, let's see. So the, the general search that's for everything Star Wars would pick up, say, a, a Holdo tweet that also said Star Wars in it. Um, the thing it would miss would be something that, you know, just said Holdo. Um, gotcha. The, I mean, There is so much um, advertising on Star Wars Twitter that I don't know if it would be able to bump the percentages. Like, you know, just the Funko Pop uh, (laughs) announcements alone, like just inundate Star Wars Twitter. Uh, So so it's really hard to move the percentage. Let's eliminate Funko Pop speech. 
Yes, right. Um, it's it's interfering with the, the quality of my research. Um, but it's it certainly, I didn't pick the only topic where people are uh, you know, saying outrageous things. Now, in reading all these tweets, were you sort of also, or did you, uh, you might even had access to what they were replying to, or were, as you were saying before, were most of these uh, harassment tweets replies or like initial Twitter sort of the part of the conversation? Um, so we did. It is possible to look at, at what people replied to. Um, the replies still live on, even if the original post has been deleted. So that does happen sometimes. Some of these replies you can't you can't place anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I, I'm thinking it's something like a quarter of all the tweets were replies um, to someone. Mm-hmm. Um, the you know Twitter has introduced these new categories, quoted status, and things like that. Um, that so far don't seem to have caught on too much, but um, you know, eventually that that might be a thing. And and quoted statuses, in theory, are you know like like you quote someone that's forever, even if they delete it. Ah, gotcha. So the the need to frame grab will disappear. Uh, you know, uh, the future is now. <laughs> and like, what was your frame of mind reading these tweets? Like, is that a tough day at the office? Uh, you know, it's it's not something you. It is it is kind of gross, um, but. Uh, I, I had read Twitter before, so I knew what I was getting into. Um, the something I did not realize was the extent to which it would be hard to pick up on what's harassment and what's not because of this problem of people. Uh, just building whole threads full of all of them saying nasty things. Um, I uh, kind of was surprised how many of these replies were replies to another insult, which were replies to another insult, which were like, like just you know, threads that just went on and on beating the, you know, belaboring the same point. Oh, we all don't like X. Well, and that's I, fascinating. I guess for for those that sort of are, are less social media or you know they they because of who they follow they don't get to see uh lucky for them this sort of stuff. I will um th- this was a comment that was on my YouTube channel. I um <laughs> I actually hold all my comments back so I can approve them. And this was on an interview I did with Kelly Marie Tran. Mm-hmm. Um how do I censor this? Uh, why don't you read it and then you can bleep it if you decide ah, later you don't want it. To... Okay, good call. 
So this reads, and we might bleep this out. <laughs> uh, nah, sorry. Fat bleep bleep has absolutely no real point to this movie, regardless of what some SJW feels. So that's that's the tone of uh, the the temperament of some of these tweets. Is that where, where, where does that yeah, one yeah. where does that one sit? Is that sort of just par for the course? That seems like about right. Like that's that's something that you know it's clearly offensive and obnoxious. It uh, it 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 used Asian B word, right? So uh, yep, yep. So you attach a, a like a a race to a swear word, you're gonna hit the hate speech. Like like that's almost always gonna be flagged as hate speech because because mm. you know. The, so he got it. He's the Goldilocks yeah, of bigots. I think he's. I think he's gotten. I think he's hit all all the things he's needed to 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 do. Um, and it's it's got something the computer can't characterize, which is that sort of like breezy genericness. Like he could have posted this in thousands of places, and it would have oh. been equally apropos um because you know he just wants to make clear he's not even listening to you very astute (laughs) but i guess i've talked about this in the podcast before but the thing that sort of like really opened my eyes to this was in, in 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 classic form when something happened to me and it was when I posted up these interviews with the cast of The Last Jedi and Kathleen Kennedy that I saw a huge variance in the tone of comments I was getting on each person's interview because they were all mm-hmm. posted separately. And I was, like, just stunned at any, how anyone could be that worked up about someone who made a film. Like, it was... Yeah. Like on, like when I, 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 I'm not the best sound person as my listeners can attest, but when you put the sound from this podcast into a program and I use Adobe Audition, everyone, there is a filter that, you know, a podcast has loud bits and quiet bits. And Mm -hmm. there's this filter that sort of compresses the loud bits down so it doesn't hurt the listener's ears. And I kind of think, with any issue in your life, you have to gauge the filter at how loud, you know, there's going to be ups and downs, mm-hmm. yeah. but there's, you know, probably a limit at how like grumpy you should be about a film. Like you can get grumpy much like when your sports team loses mm-hmm. the world right. series, but you've got to like gauge that down compared to other things going on in you and your family's life. Yeah. Um, the, the, you want to sort of say there's something admirable about passion, but it does seem a little unhinged at some point. Well, it's interesting you bring that up because last week we had, um, Justin Bolger on who does social media for Lucasfilm. So mm-hmm. it's, it's, this seems like a, a very well-placed uh, plan of spreading out the podcast to have uh, 
two social media episodes in a row, but it was mm-hmm. just, just happenstance. But he sort of said in talking about the, you know, the good and bad of, of Star Wars films, or sorry, the good and bad of Star Wars fans, that it mm-hmm. all comes from a place of love and, and a place of passion. And, you know, that's, it sort of fits in and, and makes a, a sweet analogy with Revenge of the Sith, uh-huh. how, you know, passion can go astray. But from, like, when you read these, can you, like, decode where that place of love or like, passion is behind, like, this sort of dark output? Uh, so... I guess to a certain extent, I think like uh, what what comes through for me is sort of grief, like uh, this sense of having lost something uh, that belonged to you before um, and being angry over that. And it, it's not like, like I, I start to doubt the passion after a while and start to think it's a little bit more about uh, feeling like there's not enough to go around and this was something that Star Wars was always so concerned with what I thought before. And now, now they don't seem as concerned with me. And uh, it's, I don't know, some, like jealous, um, feeling embarrassed or shunned or something. Uh, like, I guess what I'm trying to get at is like, I don't know if, it's really about how much they loved the movies before as feeling spurned. Hmm. Now on the flip side, like sometimes people that are pro the last Jedi, maybe overstep the market, how much they're rubbing their enjoyment of the film in the faces (laughs) that people that didn't. And you know, you, you can then go, well, that's because someone said this to them and, mm-hmm. you know, an, an eye for an eye. But, you know, I, I, I would sort of like for people that, like, don't like the film without that sort of, like, hatred output to be sort of consoled. And, you know, I've, mm-hmm. I've spoken to a bunch of fans that are like, oh, I really hope the next one's, like, going to be, like, more to my taste and stuff. And yep. it's like, yeah, yeah. You, know, good um, out- good you said something on Twitter that I thought about a lot while doing this project about you know, people who don't, didn't like The Last Jedi being frustrated because, uh, you know, you can't nerd out with being without being grouped in with with terrible people um and i think that's the real like uh the trolls real secret they sort of discredit all discussion and debate and then you know everybody just resorts to kind of like uh 
cheering on their side and dunking on each other. And, uh, so, yeah, it, it'd be nice if uh, people didn't feel uh, quite so on edge about their, I'm going to get attacked if I like this or if I don't like this. Or, yeah. yeah, it was interesting the other day, uh, Jason Ward that does makingstarwars.net, uh-huh. he tweeted, The Last Jedi is the best Star Wars film or something <laughs> to that effect. Now, like that is seen by a lot of people as like a volatile tweet. Mm-hmm. However, if I tweeted the same thing about Return of the Jedi, like today or five mm-hmm. years ago, like whilst some people would disagree, it'd be a, in a much more sort of jovial uh, format. And it, it, it's just so curious how it's sort of feeding from both sides, but it's it, it's so weird to look at the liking of something as being the wrong thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or, or disliking someone because they like something. <laughs> yeah. The movie has its provocative bits, but it's not like triumph of the will, right? Like you can't like infer someone's whole belief system based on the fact that they like this or don't. Like it's not, it's not uh, that. I, I, like there, there are a lot of things there to object to and a lot of things there to like, like, you know, people, go both ways for all kinds of reasons. Hey, I'm wondering, were there, were there any pro The Last Jedi tweets that were tagged as, like, harassment Oh, absolutely. Tweets? Yeah, yeah. So people, um, you know, swearing at other commenters, calling them names, uh, and, and the the... Uh, you know, in terms of just kind of saying mean things, um, once you get, like, I guess I can't think of a pro Last Jedi tweet all by itself that definitely triggered the algorithm, although I'm sure there was one. Uh, But what there was a lot of was, you know, replies to people who said something bad about the film that just ripped into them. Did any of the tweets that were pro The Last Jedi that were tagged as um, inappropriate or like with harassment, were they like, did they veer into like racism or sexism in their replies or was it just like, like aggressive language, like swear words? Aggressive language and sort of, I guess what we call like mildly racist and sexist words. Um, uh, I think my sample probably didn't, I, I can't think of one that was, you know, truly over the top shocking, but yeah, there, there, there are cases, uh, people, people at all points at the Star Wars spectrum sometimes behave badly on mm-hmm. Twitter. And, and a lot of what people post is very generic. So it, it's not always clear what, what somebody's take is on star Wars, just that they, mm. I, I, th- I think maybe the most common offensive thing that I see pro the last Jedi people tweet is sort of 
lumping someone in as like racist or sexist. Yeah. Like yeah, based, based right. purely on what I sort of categorize as a good natured nerd complaint. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's, yep. um, yeah. And, and I, I think that's like a really sad part of the, the cycle is that even like no one wants like. The- I'm Sandra and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for, but you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. This is one thing that's pretty clear in the world. No one wants to be called a racist or nearly no yes. one. And to be accused of that or to be misinterpreted as that is mm-hmm. like quite a offensive thing. So you sort of, you know, that creates a divide between people that didn't enjoy the film for, you know, I didn't like that Luke Skywalker didn't fight. Like that's, yes, like right. that's just a classic nerd, you know, I, I didn't like that Han Solo was frozen at the end of Empire Strikes Back. Like, do you know what I mean? They're just, they're mm-hmm. just opinions. And I, I sort of like always cringe when I see like someone drop the racist or the sexist thing in yeah, reply yeah. when it's, you know, like, like hear the person out. And, you know, I, I am no, like n- none of us are perfect. You guys, I, um, my, my glass podcasting studio has many rocks, um, smashed through it. Trust me. Mm-hmm. And, but, you know, I have had these like quite often pleasant experiences where someone sort of come at me aggressively and, and, and not like in a sexist or a, a racist way, because I'm, I'm a, I'm a white male, everyone. And <laughs> that they, um, they, they get through pretty unscathed, I've found. But just people, like, disliking, like, me as a person because mm-hmm. I liked something in the film or whatever like that. And then, like, like, I've had a back and forth and, you know, I'm just like, oh, I'm happy to talk about it if you're chill. And it's sort of like, like we've ended up a lot more closer in the middle. But right. there's that other thing of, like, well who has the time and the patience to do that with every person? Like you have to take into consideration that maybe that person that, you know, didn't reply to you or you you perceive it as a curt reply. It's like, you might be like the one in 300 people that have hit up. What what do do you think about Ryan Johnson replying in uh, a lot of attention for his tweet about Mike Zero? Yeah. And, And like, where do you, someone that studied all this, like, like, where do you stand? Like, and maybe you've got a professional opinion and a, and a, a human opinion. <laughs> yes, right. So, um, it, it is, like, interesting how spontaneous Lucasfilm allows its employees to be on social media. Um, it, it makes them, you know, much more, uh, like, real than than a lot of companies choose to be Mm. i I would say though with ryan i I guess it's more of a a partner a producing partner yes right yes he's 
he, they're probably not dictating terms to Ryan. Because, you know, um, like, like just on paper, he's like working on another, you know, like a non-Star yes. Wars film now. So where does the... Yes, like, right. Is, like, and, you know, people try to invent these rules for mm-hmm. show business people to like follow. And, you know, maybe someone would say, well, they should they shouldn't reply to any Star Wars tweets. Like they should be Star Wars. There's, there's this weird thing of trying to silence like those voices. Yeah. I, I don't think there's, uh, and I, I, I don't mean to criticize Lucasfilm, but it is, they're, they're just kind of unusual that way. And um, I feel like you, learn a lot more about what that film studio is like, or at least you get a chance to get like a little bit of a peek inside where some places are just like vaults. Um, in, in what way? Like, uh, well, I'm hesitating because I'm thinking maybe I just haven't dug far enough. Like maybe if I really, really knew Marvel Twitter, I would know that, you can, in fact, talk to people who are working on the story and that sort of thing. But uh, hmm. I, Lucasfilm I, has always seemed unusual in that there are people like Pablo Hidalgo and such who, who just take questions on Twitter any given day kind of thing. Yeah, I, I'm like yourself in that I don't know much about the other, like that sort of, you know, similar franchises. But I do know just yesterday or the day before, I don't know his surname, but it's Joe. He, Mm -hmm. like the Marvel, head of Marvel Comics, I believe. And that's like where they have that big Cup of Joe panel at Comic-Con on Sundays Mm -hmm. or Saturdays or whatever. But so he's, I think, the head of Marvel Comics, but very high up. But he um, was just tweeting about like, the, the comic skate thing and addressing yeah, yeah. A, a few of those, um, you know, the people on the other side of that debate directly. So it's not unheard of. I, right. I follow uh, professional wrestling more so, than, oh. more so the media than the actual wrestling. Don't, don't right. Yes. Don't, no, no. Don't um, wrestle shame me. Like they, not, like they, they kind of put a lot of other things to, shame in terms of involving the fans at all times like yeah and they seem to have a pretty like and it's had you know it it hasn't always worked out for them but the the wrestlers and the people that work backstage and stuff they're pretty interactive and um you know within reason tweet out about things that are going on you know, in wrestling fandom and stuff. Mm-hmm. So I, like, like for me personally, and it, it, it might help that I agree with a lot of their sentiment a lot of the times, but then there's other times I do not. But I would rather have people tweet their opinions so I know them. Yeah. yeah. And like, and, you know, sometimes like someone that, that works within Lucasfilm will we'll tweet something negative in relation to like, you know, spoiler culture or mm-hmm. fan media. And I'm like, yeah, well, I don't really agree with that. And, but I'm like, but I'm kind of glad I know that's what you think. Like mm-hmm. even if, you know, I, I, I feel like, you know, to my mind, you might be a bit misguided in that thought, but yeah, I'd much rather 
like know this stuff about people and, and their opinions than than not. But why um what is it that about female podcasters that brings out the worst in people, it seems? Well uh this the, the, there's there's a couple of things here. So uh, just on a subconscious level, there's lots of evidence that people tend to kind of think of women as flakier, more in need of correction. Um, it, many people uh, find female speaking voices less pleasant, um, you know, uh, dislike sort of typically female ways of speaking. Um, and those are the kinds of unconscious things that could just sort of creep in, make you a little more pedantic or uh, so on with when you, when you're talking talking to women. Mm-hmm. There there is a sort of subgenre of tweets directed at female podcasters that seems to imply that you know women have more of an obligation to constantly be hammering on the point that. Uh, uh, there needs to be more diversity and gender equality in Star Wars. Um, and uh, that's, there's the sort of problem of like women being seen as sort of more responsible for pushing Lucasfilm on that. And then the, the third thing, this oh, was originally, can, can I just, yeah, clar- yeah, go ahead. Can I just clarify that one? Who like, I'm, I'm not sure. Are you saying that they are more, proactive in that or there seem to be that they should be right so like it's like a somebody who's kind of lefty dropping into the mentions of a female podcaster and saying like uh you know how can you be happy about the game of thrones guys they really need a female director for example yeah Um, okay so the the what about ism sort of yes and and you know they don't say I mean, usually, like, how can you as a female support this? But people bring that up a lot more with women. I had a, a very interesting comment on YouTube in relation to that. We had um, Emma Fyth on from Collider on our news show. And, you know, she'd sort of mentioned that it was unfortunate that they announced John Favreau's series on International mm-hmm. Women's Day. Yes. And then on the show, she's you know, gushing about how, you know, if it's going to be about Mandalorians, how exciting that will be. And it's so cool. And someone commented, it's like, oh, it's a bit ironic that now she's all on board. And it's like, because it was an unfortunate day to choose to announce Mm -hmm. this role, it doesn't mean she's like then obligated to have a grudge against the entire project for its existence. Like if anything, you should appreciate her honesty that like, she didn't like this bit about it, but she likes this bit about it. Right. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's okay to be ambivalent about things. <laughs> um, but then the, a line in the article that the editor said, like, ah, this is, this is just too deep a cut. Like no one besides a star Wars fan is gonna, gonna care. Um, women do tend to comment about ships a little bit more. <laughs> uh, you know, relationshiping and, you know, there's, there's sort of 
two kinds of mean tweets, uh, you know, the shipping is gross genre and the that's not the right ship genre um, that 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 sort of content draws. So in terms of like, it it didn't seem like women were posting systematically different stuff other than that they do talk about ships more and that's kind of a controversial thing in and of itself yeah that is a part of fandom that i can't get a gauge on like the the high passion of like the different shipping and it's such like the sensitivity around it. I I'm trying to become attuned to, but I just can't grasp the people just seem very like hyper passionate about that topic. And I, I can't, Mm -hmm. yeah, it's just something like I can sort of understand why someone was disappointed that Luke Skywalker didn't do this or that. Yeah. And, but yeah, that one, I, yeah, it's, it like it's just there like in i guess over all star wars that is not on high on my yeah, like, like yeah. interest because that's the great thing about star wars that incorporated all these different types of films into this mega film so everyone can watch it and enjoy you know whether it's you know the comedy or the romance or the action or the you know the mythology and the the moral message is right. there for everyone but yeah i could never just understand that that heightened response yeah i have this vague sense that uh or that that after force awakens um you know the the primary thing was you know shipping is kind of just weird and gross um it's you know like a specifically twilight-esque kind of way to engage with fiction you but at this point i mean i think basically people are fighting about whether kylo ren's redeemable um and obviously uh he could be redeemable and either dead or single at the end of the next episode but um like i i think the that's that's the subtext to like almost every ah, so uh, shipping debate out there. Am, am I missing the lead? Is it sensitivity around anything Kylo Ren? I mean, I think so. I have never seen like, I mean, so occasionally people will say something like, like my read of it is that most of the other possible ships are only controversial insofar as they interact with Raylo. Like there are people who dislike Finn Rose because, you know, unless the twist is that Ray's polyamorous, that's going to preclude Ray and Finn getting together, which would open the door for Ray and Kylo. And, you know, there's a lot of assumptions here. You know, all these people could end up, you know, dead, single, something. But, uh, but yeah, I think, um, it it really is all about Kylo at this point. Yeah, because I, I do, like when you brought up the redeemability of Kylo Ren, that generates the 
a very similar, like, it's not like a discussion. It's, it's immediately like an argument sort of thing. It's right. Like, yeah. Right. It's, um, what a passion around Kylo Ren. Mm-hmm. Like I kind of think for the female podcasters that do talk about, you know, like social and political issues in, in star Wars, like people sort of get annoyed with them for sort of like, like ruining the fun, ruining yes, the fun. Right. Like, you know, you had Val, like, and now you're complaining she died too early. You're ruining the fun. <laughs> you're ruining the fun. I, I, I don't know how someone else's podcast can ruin something for you. You, <laughs> I mean, you. you don't have to listen to it. Well, if a film can ruin a childhood, a podcast can ruin the fun. Yeah. You mentioned that, um, you know, Lucasfilm, a few employees sort of directed you to some extra fan accounts. Oh, not me personally. Just they've tweeted about them at some point in the past. Excellent clarification. Okay, that's uh, very important because I had misread how you said that. And now we're not sending out the wrong message. I'm very happy that I my my stumbling led to a revelation. (laughs) I hope everyone was with me on that one. But um, have you had any feedback from Lucasfilm, whether off or on the record, about the article? I got uh, a nice tweet from Matt Martin, uh, but that's it. I apologize if someone else said something nice and I missed it. Uh, that that happens. But uh, no, they haven't uh, you know, tried to pick my brain further or anything. What do you think, you know, obviously you can work out from, you know, previous interactions what, you know, th- th- that some people that work as Lucasfilm would applaud the article. But what do you think from like a business point of view, like as Lucasfilm, the corporation, is it, mm-hmm. is your article like a positive thing for the Star Wars brand because people are already aware of this sort of activity and you're shedding light on it or it's negative because it's sort of pushing, it's giving publicity to this discourse and right. besmirches yeah. like Star Wars's wholesome family entertainment. I think at this point, you know, there have been so many stunts about, uh, you know, SJWs ruining Star Wars that, that, you know, uh, this is this is probably not going to be a big revelation to, to anyone. Um, and Lucasfilm has been more proactive about saying this kind of behavior when it touches on our actors and employees is inappropriate. Um, you know, they like they jumped in and sort of cut ties with the people who were harassing Andy Gutierrez right away. Like there are, there are other media companies that have not done like as nearly as much to like, uh, sort of confront, uh, alt-right harassment. So, so I think if Lucasfilm was trying to like keep it a secret that the alt-right was angry at them, they'd be doing what a lot of other companies are doing, which is, uh, you know, trying to pretend it's not happening. Um, so I don't think I don't think they're concerned about this revealing that there's there's bad stuff going on with Star Wars. Um, uh, but you know, uh, they 
hopefully uh, gather data on this sort of stuff themselves too. So I, I don't, I don't think I shocked them. Yeah, I think they know that dark part of Twitter as well. They've got the code. Yeah. They've got the code. As many regular Steel Wars listeners know, next month my wife and I are expecting our firstborn son. Now, to celebrate this and to also acknowledge that we need some spare space in the cupboard, all Steel Wars t-shirts until the end of September are 33% off when you use the coupon code BABY at merchostore.com. Yes, that's right. All because the miracle of life, you can pocket the savings with one third of your t-shirt order slashed off, meaning you get high quality ring spun cotton hand screen printed t-shirts for under $15. Plus, if you use the code BABY, I'll also chuck in a bunch of bonus stickers. You got t-shirts like I'm Ray's Parents, The Force, have you seen him and the classic your snoke theory sucked take advantage of new life and my need to have more spare space in my house by using code baby at merchostore.com the link is in those show notes what about bots and stuff like that like i i've i've read some you know conspiracy theory tweets mm-hmm. that you know some of this sort of fan discourse you know, the accounts are based in Russia and right. even if they are, I'm sure there's some angry Russian fans out there. So yes. is, is there any any merit in, in that there's like that maybe like a, uh, a body, uh, an entity that would want to influence like uh, Western culture would also, you know, try to influence like the pop culture of that country? It's not totally crazy. Um, I've used a tool that the University of Indiana makes called Batometer um, uh, to check whether the to check all the accounts I had in my data, and they give a score as to whether an account is is likely to be a bot or not. Um, the they they have a just a a website where you can go and enter in any Twitter account name and, and get their read on whether whether it's a bot. Um, and, you know, it's, so if bot masters have figured out how to game the system, which I'm sure they try to do all the time, uh, and the this tool has fallen behind, it's possible that, um, you know, I'm underestimating how much stuff happens with, with bots on Star Wars internet. But the best detection tool we have out there right now um thinks it's it's a pretty modest part of of star wars twitter and you know the bots mostly do uh kind of a bland pushing of of content to people they uh retweet um articles and advertisements and that sort of thing but that doesn't mean people aren't getting together on 8chan or on a discord channel or something and like planning to harass someone else on twitter Mm. um just that no one person sat down and wrote a computer program to do that for them on a massive scale 
so far as we can tell. Okay. And I guess one thing we haven't touched on with, with, with all this is the, you know, we, we talk about the business of Star Wars, but there's also the, there's a, a booming business. It's a, uh, a fast growing industry and that is the, the Star Wars discourse media. <laughs> and, you know, you're seeing like pop culture YouTube channels mm-hmm. pumping out, you know, multiple daily videos, it seems, with, with negative press and, and theories and speculation around Star Wars and the, the status of, of films and the status of people's employment or contracts um like how how does that feed into it you know we talk about you know and it's it's sort of like a sad catch phrase is like an influencer mm-hmm. you know people pay influencers online to promote their products but this is sort of like a, a a different sort of and you know equally valuable type of influencer yeah i mean and this is this is kind of where it all starts for the alt right right like milo makes himself famous by going after the all-female ghostbusters um what's his name the the prison planet guy who did the no women in the last jedi edit uh you know these are people this is their this is their whole livelihood um so you know there's there's nothing that's going to change their mind at this point. Um, they have a political project to complain or political slash monetary project to complain about the way pop culture is changing. And they're, they, they're constantly, uh, throwing out feelers to see what they can get people riled up about. Um, and uh, you know, running with whatever sticks. This anger over Star Wars does seem to have like caught on in a way that anger over some other franchises has not. Um, but the you know it's it is a it is a big economy at this point. They don't the with some of these people like. I wonder if they even remember what they believe. Like the grift just seems to have completely taken over. It, it really has. Like <laughs> as you laughed at me about before, I'm, I'm a huge fan and, and junkie for professional wrestling coverage. Like I, I love, mm-hmm. there, there's some uh, like amazing reporters that happen to cover it. And it's a, a, like a, it's it's sort of like covering the mob. It's it's such a bizarre like <laughs> world of of tradition and mm-hmm. and it, and it also it it's sort of a lot of the time it's where media is going to go. Like when there's a new media, that's it's it's professional wrestling and pornography that exploits new media the best all through history apparently. Ah, oh. so there you go. I like like monitoring how these these journalists that are fans like balance up their, their, their fandom and their journalism and like being a, like uh, being ad- objective about what they're watching, despite, you know, mm-hmm. about the, about their fandom, like pro or con. 
And it, it does seem with those um, those accounts, those YouTube sort of the, the grifters, as you uh, amazingly put it, that the facts are just a bump in the road. Like, you know, like one of my pet projects of disbelief is people getting riled up about Kathleen Kennedy wearing that The Force is Female Oh, yes, right. Which was a promotional T-shirt for a female range of Nike Air Force One shoes that (laughs) also made a sweet Star Wars pun that she (laughs) wore to a, a charity event. So, like, and it's, like, we know, like, they know that that's why, but that's just ignored. And and then, yeah. like, people that were, well, we don't know why Kelly Marie Tran left. We need her to tell us, even yes. though that, like, all her castmates had, you know, w- right. not so veiled explanations about what was going on. And then she has that article printed in the New York Times and no, that's not what she was talking about. <laughs> I didn't even. So I'm not always like abreast of my grifting. Like, what? Uh, oh, How could that possibly? What else could the article be about? This is the thing, Beth. Before the Last Jedi came out, I wrote a parody Star Wars news site that was sort of meant to be like the Onion for Star Wars fans. Uh-huh. And it was called the Midichlorian Count. Everyone, it's still up, but. After the last Jedi came out, like my articles weren't crazy enough. Like they were just mm-hmm. describing real things that happened. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, you, I couldn't. It was beyond parody. So to you know to have people like I can't write anything as unbelievably funny as reading that article and then saying it's about something else. Yeah, I mean the part of. I mean, one thing that that is. Uh, I guess a flip side to this is, you know, somebody does one of these things and then everybody who disagrees with them and then even like a left wing out or, you know, vaguely uh, lefty things like Buzzfeed just like spend the rest of the Twitter day mocking them. Um, and they do get a lot of free amplification just by being ridiculous. Um, uh, so I, that, that might explain part of it. Yeah. That, that's a hard, it's such a, like, what's the right thing to do? Like, yes. Right. Cause do you you like frame grab it and, and tweet it out with some sort of, um, you know, you know, smart aleck remark, correcting them mm-hmm. or pointing out the absurdity in complaining about a promo <sighs> clip for She-Ra, the princess yes, of power. right. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I show that I might point out that you had to be embarrassed to watch if you were a, a young boy in the 80s. Like, yeah, it was yeah. not a point of pride that you were sticking around after He-Man to get a bit of She-Ra. And I was there, but I was not... You know, I, I was I, I would I would be careful about who I relayed that to on the playground. <laughs> yeah, just that whole like purposely misquoting to like to change the context that mm-hmm. you know that Ryan said everyone that didn't like the Last Jedi was a man baby. When like I like are you do you edit out the other words in your head 
Right. Like, and you don't, that's all you actually, that goes into your, cause you know, you're, you're too used to Twitter or whatever that you, that's all, you know, you just get keywords or are you like consciously like sort of vindictively chopping those words out to like pass on? I mean, I, like if you're making the videos, it has to be conscious, right? Like, um, I mean, like, I, I think a, a fair number of those people also believe that they're right, that, you know, they are doing God's work by pushing back against the SJWs, but they have to know that they're splicing things a little, and, right? Like, how could you just not notice? Yeah. <laughs> That's I... a cognitive dissonance in life. Yeah, I, I definitely think with the videos that's the case. But sometimes I just talk to people on Twitter and they just begin to leave out qualifying words to save time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's sort of like, nah, that's not actually what they said, man. Like leaving out those two words like changes the context of of what they were talking about. And like you might not be have done that on purpose, but, you know, it's you, you're doing the truth uh, a disservice yeah. on that one. So what was the answer to your question? Did you get your answer? Well, so what I, I wanted to do was, okay, I'm going to publish this to try to address something that people describe on Twitter, which is the, the feeling of being gaslit. Like, I know I'm not being treated fairly, but everyone tells me that I'm just too sensitive uh, and, you know, get over it. Everybody gets a little bit harassed on social media. It's, it's nothing, nothing to do with you being a woman, nothing to do with you being not white, that sort of thing. Um, and I wanted, I, I, I didn't think the article would change anyone's mind, but I thought maybe it would be reassuring for somebody out there who felt like, like, like Twitter is making me crazy. I, I, I just, I know things are not right here. Um, and I got at least one comment like that. So, so I, I, I feel like I accomplished my goal. There was one thing that we didn't hit. And when you, you published the article, you also published like the list of Twitter users you were following. And mm -hmm. you, I think you later redacted that information. Uh, so the, there is no uh, sort of story that involves other people. It's just me uh, sort of waking in the middle of the night and thinking, oh, my God, what if somebody gets harassed because I said they were being harassed? Um, and yeah. I decided, okay, I got to. I got to change this. I had originally had the idea that, um, you know, well, uh, that I needed to be transparent because otherwise I might be accused of just making the whole thing up. But then I decided, you know, there's a different way this could go. And in retrospect, what I should have done is contacted everyone and asked if they wanted to be redacted in advance. Um, and that's just, me not thinking it through as well as I should have. 
Yeah, I, I can see, um, yeah, the need to show it and also how that could go wrong as well. Because I'm sure if you didn't initially say what accounts you're following, you know, that would be the, the first thing to dispel your findings. Would right. Be, well, who did you follow? Who did you follow? Right, yeah. <laughs> now, I, I guess, you know, one thing we touched on was, you know, the the, the fans that, you know, aren't enjoying... Uh, the Last Jedi, or some part of uh, recent Star Wars, and and then being lumped in with you know the, the more aggressive, toxic side. I, mm-hmm. I guess in your, you know, you've read a lot of tweets. Uh huh. What, what what's some just some basics on like how those people? I've spoken to people that are just like I don't even know how to start a conversation with people anymore online and and, and stuff like that. I I get. T- called out for harassment and mm-hmm. you know the, the person I was talking to about the other day it's like well you don't have to correct every opinion that you don't agree with like you can just let it go yeah but what, what would sort of do you have any sort of like wisdom to parlay for, <laughs> maybe for both sides of the argument yeah and I'm a little bit of the wrong person to ask um, because I don't love debating my opinions on Twitter. Um, so, so I, I kind of don't know how to thread the needle. Like, like, I don't know why you want to talk about this on Twitter at all. Like (laughs) debate. Why should, like, what should they have done with Luke Skywalker? This just doesn't appeal to me. Um, like with the, it it appeals um, to me. It appeals to me. I, I mean, it doesn't person, but I just, I just, Twitter just leaves me so cold, but I think, I, I apologize. I've forgotten the name of your guest, the the person who did the Phantom Edit. Um, Mike Nichols. Yes. So what's really interesting about listening to him is it doesn't just say something is, you know, bad or it didn't work. He offers a theory of why it didn't and how a slight tweak might have changed things to be more effective. And after so many months just saying you didn't like something, uh, you're basically just saying like my mind's made up. Um, unless you're offering like this is what I would have done differently, or this is why I liked it, or or you know, giving something a little extra, people are just going to read that and assume you're saying you're you're planting a flag and it's not really an invitation to to conversation because at, at this point like uh it's all been kind of said yeah the um the interview with mike got like a real mixed reaction huh. and like i i i think one of the reasons i appreciate his work is because by snipping out the things that bugged me it reminded me of all the things that I loved in the mm-hmm. movies. And and so that's why I really appreciate it. Cause even when I watch the normal version now, like it's such a small part of it that bugs me that I invested so much energy into. Uh-huh. And so that's why I sort of feel like if, you, do you know what I mean? With you know, it, it, it could be a bit of spin on my part, but like it was a critique that showed, hey, for the most part, this film's pretty good. 
but that's yeah. a, that's like a you know that's that's a well marketed version of its promotion when mm-hmm. you know it it's original marketing i guess was this shows how bad the film was <laughs> have you ever watched that that femaleless last jedi you, you no um it i mean my understanding is it was pulled down relatively quickly um so so i don't know anyone who's actually seen it oh, i'll have to go onto the dark web to yes. find that one <laughs> um and you know even uh, you know immediately the people were saying like well it doesn't really make a lot of sense. <laughs> That's a pretty big chunk of the movie, but it's it's not a bad part of it. Not a bad part of it. Now, like for a fan out there that um, wants to talk about what they should or shouldn't have done with Luke Skywalker, and I can relate to you far more than Beth can, but. Ha! In this situation of, um, you know, a, a harassing tweeter or an aggressive tweeter, like, in, like, what should we be doing? Should we be blocking? Should we be muting? What, what's the best? Or is there no hard and fast sort of thing that you've picked up that actually does the best job? Well, if something is really extreme, you should report it to the platform. Um, and they probably won't do anything, but let them at least feel bad for what they've done. Uh, what they brought the world. Um, And uh, I think, uh, you know, they say it's better to mute people than to block them because uh, blocking provides the person uh, with a grievance and muting is more subtle. Um, They, they can't, you know, then go around posting screenshots of how you blocked them and how this proves that they're, they're the wronged party. That's that's all I have for you. I I don't know how to fix it beyond that. Yeah, I um I've yeah, the the whole gloating about being blocked, you know, like <laughs> like, like at, at, at sometimes when, you know, depending admittedly what side it is and if you think what's right or what's wrong, it you know, mm-hmm. you can be outraged by a blocking, but I I think as a whole it's just like I just don't want to get yelled at when I'm walking down the street. Yeah. And, and I, I just like, sometimes, you know, people ask me, Oh, this person blocks me. Can you ask them why? And it's like, it's, it's not a big enough issue. Yeah. Like, they may have slipped. You, you may have liked a tweet that was dissing one of their friends or their yeah. coworkers. And they're just like, well, I'm getting rid of this noise, but it is like Twitter's and social media. It's a, like an amazing like device that we can interact with all these people, but it's, it should be sort of seen as a, like a privilege and not a community right to be able to contact them sort of thing. There's some, a bit of responsibility to go yeah. along with it. And I, I'm a muter because sometimes I will see someone arguing with someone that isn't there. Uh, and I can, I can guess what that person's saying. Could, yes. And and then I notice that they've still been tweeting me angrily at everything I've posted for the last six months. So <laughs> I, I feel like you're just taking one for the team. Like yeah. they're, they're occupied. Yeah. You're absorbing energy. Yeah. Yes. But uh, yeah. But um, Bethany, thanks yes. so much for coming on the show. I, My um, pleasure. 
I, I found it fascinating that you looked into it and what you sort of the whole process and and what you found but on a um a looking forward to part of star wars uh we always like to find out what uh, our guests are most looking forward to or most would like to happen in in star wars media through all these films and books and and toys and stuff what what, what are you most looking forward to or hoping for um, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to nine. I'm excited to see, see how it will wrap up. Um, the, the, the only, uh, like thing I, I, you know, headcanon or, uh, imagine and think, oh, that would be, this, this, this would be so cool is I love that, when the prequels happened, you found out that the stormtroopers were uh, the good guys for a while. And, you know, the whole visual language of the prequels is reversed and the Clone Wars because, like, the, the guys in the stormtrooper looking outfits, they're, they're the ones you're rooting for. I would love to see some sort of thing take place where the good guys end up controlling the TIE fighters and so they can have another set of movies where like the visual language of the space fight flights is inverted. That, that would be so cool to me. Oh, that, I, I just felt faint. I, I, I don't know if I'd be able to handle that. <laughs> so confusing, right? And that horrible wine they make, like that's so menacing. Yeah, like, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I've been Maybe bred. Maybe they could paint them pink or something. I've been bred to despise those ships and everything they stand for. Fair enough. And, you know, they're supposed to look inhuman and bat-like, so. Yeah, I, I did like um, when when Finn and Poe got to fly one. I, yes. I, I did right. like how that juxtaposed who you're normally rooting for in a, in a space mm -hmm. battle. So, uh, yeah, I, 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 I wish I had a heart monitor on while you were telling me about that. I was not, I was not dealing. I was not dealing oh, very oh, well. Oh. <laughs> See, this is the thing with Star Wars. Like, right. It's, it's, uh, so beloved by so many people, but you know, it's just, uh, it must be just totally overwhelming to try to guess what the reaction to each thing is going to be. It must be, and it will continue to be a harrowing experience. Yeah. Like I can't even, like like, J.J. Abrams seems like a pretty confident type of guy. Mm -hmm. He's gonna need it. He's gonna need that confidence in December of 2019 because, oh my god, yeah, it's yeah. You you literally just walk into the cinema and then you, when you walk out there it might be sunny or there might be a hurricane yeah he survived the end of lost though so he oh. had some experience with he bailed uh, out he had he had lindelof and to, to, uh, to take the fall for that one right right it will be true. uh yeah this will be the most yeah, it's... Yeah. May I ask you a, a, a question, um, if you have a minute? Sure, of course. Yeah. Um, so this is about how Lucasfilm works and, and fan theorizing. So in the lead-up to these movies, you know, we're all poring over things, looking for clues. 
and I'm, I never know what can really be a clue because I don't know who knows how the story's going to end. Like when we were, you know, the, you, like the theories about does the score have clues for what's going to happen? Well, does John Williams get told the story? I mean, it, it seems as though the actors don't get told what the story is. So, so where's the, where's the, where's the, yeah. What's your understanding of who knows the plan and when people find out the plan? I got no idea. Like Uh, the, the, you know, the, what seems to be the company line on it is there's no, like endpoint like it's not like these three films like they didn't know the end when they started the start do you know what I mean like it it, it wasn't like they've been driving towards a like unlike the Marvel universe where it's all sort of leading up to Infinity War it's you know the, the PR around it is that Ryan Johnson wrote what he wrote and uh-huh. then pitched it to, you know, Kathleen Kennedy and, and to Bob Iger to continue on with. Um, yeah. And, and that I, I'd love to talk to the, like some people involved with that about, because like mathematically, like on paper, that seems like a horrible idea. It does. And, but if you were like a writer or a creative person of a particular style, maybe doing it the other way would seem like stifling and like not the natural flow. And, you know, George Lucas definitely had the flow. Like, you know, a lot of things changed, you know, Mm -hmm. like Luke being Darth Vader's son Leia being right the the sister like you know the other that Yoda spoke of was not originally Leia it was of a sister that was on the other side of the galaxy that apparently at one point Luke was gonna at the end of Return of the Jedi try to go find that was going to be the conclusion but yeah so he had like you know he sort of rode the wave Mm-hmm. And and sort of went with the flow, but it was always him, like it was always in his head, right? Like yeah. The the story evolved in his head, and you know themes would come back, and and, and in the prequels sometimes they wouldn't come back, like things you know like the the Leia Padme memories, like it's like that's like quite confusing, right? And, and, yes, and, and that does seem like. Like, it's all made by one guy, but it's still not coherent. So, you know, when it's, like, multiple people, like, you're not going to get a perfect hit rate. You know, like, with the... At the end of The Force Awakens in the book, Poe meets Rey. Right, yes. But then at the end of The Last Jedi, Poe meets Rey as well. So it's not a real world. So it's never... Like, people that sort of want everything to match perfectly like a demanding like way too much like yeah. to have it all like you know like the the, the tv show 24 did not make sense mm-hmm. and but that was the conceit of it so that 
average fan must just believe they're lying, right? Because there can't be a mystery box. There can't be a, you know, there can't be these 10 clues to who Ray's real parents are if there's no plan. I don't think there are any clues to who Ray's parents are. Uh, so, so uh, this, you think people's Snoke theories are even worse than I thought. <laughs> no, but like when you look at like everything in the film, in both films, it's never like been implied that Ray's parents were anyone. Yeah, so um, I walked out of Force Awakens assuming they were no one. Um, but, uh, and I guess I was you know, in the minority in that, but um, it, but people lovingly pour over this stuff looking for, and it, you know, not just raised parents, but, but every. Everything and uh, I and when it's done, I guess you just fool yourself into thinking there was foreshadowing there. You know, you just could uh, connect the dots post hoc, and well, I don't know. Yeah, I bet that's sort of how it's, except for the prequels, how it's always been. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. Like, um, if you look at, and, and, and this is one of my, a few of my friends get so annoyed with my thought process, but I'm able to forgive something in another Star Wars film if it was in the original three. Like, uh. And, you know, stuff like, you know, Ben Kenobi. No, no, Uncle Owen. Uncle Owen yes. saying that, he's got too much of his father in him. Mm -hmm. Like that's not, he's not talking about the dark side of the force, but that's how it's, it plays now. And there's a few things that Alec Guinness says that like, it's, it's like George Lucas or the writers like fed off that mm -hmm. to move forward with their story. I was, um, I watch um, Better Call Saul and yeah. do, do you watch that? Uh, I am not up to up to speed, but I've watched quite well, a bit of it. Yeah, so Saul, who's Jimmy McGill in this show, he right. hasn't changed his name yet, from Breaking Bad, his brother is this pompous lawyer. His older brother right. is a really pompous lawyer. And I watched an extra on... This is what I love about modern media. Now that each TV show has like DVD extras on the app. Yeah. So you can watch all these things. So, And they were talking about this character and how it was like he had an affliction that he couldn't leave the house, but the way this guy played the lawyer as like, while being so afflicted, but so proud. And so like that changed how they wrote mm -hmm. the entire show. So, you know, that, that, that's a case where, you know, having that fluidity, you know, they went with what worked better. So I guess that's, I, I just pointed out a way in that, but then again, with Breaking Bad, they are, or with Better Call Saul, they are always writing towards Breaking Bad episode one. 
So right. maybe a bit of a bit of both is what <laughs> leads to yeah. The, yeah. the best result. But it is like on paper terrifying that they apparently don't know where it's ending. It is, uh, but well, well, that's their problem, not mine, as you say. <laughs> um, you, you could have just saved all that research, this whole podcast, by just tweeting abuse of female Star Wars fans. It's their problem, not mine. Would have been ironic coming from you, but um, right. that, that, that whole attitude would have saved you a whole lot of time, Beth. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Um, now you point that out to me. But yeah, I am, I am with you. I am, my main hype is episode nine. This is yeah. like the to find out what happens to the Jedi and the Skywalker saga is that has been my want for all my conscious life. I feel like <laughs> is to want to know more about uh, my hero, Luke Skywalker. So that's all the, like, you know, like to, to have a live action TV show is just, you know, that's, that's, yeah, yeah. That, that's pie in the sky, nineties comic book shop talk. And, and we're living it. We are <laughs> living it. Right. But uh, Beth, thank you so much for your time and mm-hmm. uh, talking Star Wars. Now, uh, where can the good people of the internet uh, follow your work? And yeah, do you have like, uh, do you want yeah. people hitting you up on Twitter with thoughts? Sure, or? sure. Um, my Twitter handle is Bethany underscore Lacina, which is L A C I N A. Um, and I will see it if you message me there very nice i i there's one more question that i didn't ask which i i Mm -hmm. I have to do it now okay how come my tweets didn't count in this whole thing so are you listed on the disney community page because i originally had you on the list as someone who i was going to include and then i was surprised to see you weren't there but maybe I sort of checked on the wrong day or looked in the wrong place. It's not the world's cleanest website. No, I don't believe I am. I think they're... Okay, they're... yeah. So um, I, don't, I, 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 don't I thought think about including you as like, oh, yeah, he's clearly going to be a shell too. He even has a shirt <laughs> about it. But um, I didn't need any more dudes. <laughs> that, that'd make a, a good bumper sticker. I don't need any more dudes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, I can... I can sleep at night with, with that reason. Thank you, Beth. I, uh, sure. I appreciate that. I'm a very fragile um, person out here on, on social media, so I need, I need validation. And uh, I, will, I will get it one day in some form, I'm sure. <laughs> but thank you so much. I, sure. uh, I, I so appreciate it. And um, I'm, I'm glad someone looked into this in, in such an insightful way. It's... Uh, it's all part of the fascinating journey through Star Wars fandom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's good and bad. But thank you, Beth. And sure. may that force be with you. Thank you. <laughs> hey, you guys. I hope you enjoyed that fascinating chat with Beth Lucina of the University of Rochester. I mean, guys, an associate professor of political science, we are, we used to be a pretty lowbrow podcast, you guys, but uh, we are seeming a bit learned with those sort of credits. 
Now, as mentioned in the mid-show announcements, we are having a pre baby saunders sale to the end of september on merchostore.com and you know that links in the show notes use code baby and you will get a third off your t-shirt order that is 33 percent that will bring down t-shirts to about 14 dollars and 50 cents And these are high-quality ring-spun tube knitted T-shirts, hand-screen-printed in LA. So the T and the print will last for ages. Just as a tip, always put T-shirts inside out in the wash and never put them in the dryer. Horrible, horrible thing to do to a T-shirt. So if you are up for some fresh teas and don't mind a bargain and also would like to support the podcast and my need to have more room in my house post baby, uh, check out merchostore.com and use that coupon code BABY. And speaking of supporting the podcast, we are loading up the Patreon of late and always with bonus content. If you are up for bonus content, just looking at the latest things on the feed, we have got the audio version of the latest hyper news on the Patreon feed. A new 90 minute plus episode of the Robo Report. Talking Star Wars opinion with my very opinionated Star Wars buddy, Robbo. That's uh, one hour and 40 minutes plus. We've got a new Struthers Wars with Eric Struthers breaking down Ryan Dassing's uh, Star Wars fandom and favorite Steel Wars clips. And the new crown jewel in the Patreon content. We've got Star Wars Year by Podcast. Myself and Blue Harvest Horse Burkhart breaking down the history of Star Wars as we go through the Star Wars Year by Year book. Which, through flicking through that book, leads to so many fascinating and fun tangents. And the first episode is currently up exclusively for Blue Harvest and Steel Wars Patreon supporters. And it also comes with a full video version with me and Hawes and Enhanced with a bunch of pictures and clips from the book. So it is a fascinating and super fun trip into Star Wars and pop culture history, the Star Wars Year by Podcast. And we'll also have as another Patreon exclusive is a feedback show on that with patrons sending in questions or comments or voicemails based on the stories and memories jogged in the Star Wars Year by Podcast. So I cannot wait to do that first feedback episode. And all that stuff is available on the Steel Wars Patreon. For $1, you get all the Hyper News shows from YouTube exclusively on audio as well as our entire back catalog of Steel Wars episodes interruption free. Uh, We 
keep up the latest 25 Steel Wars episodes. And then after that, we have little sizzle clips and save the full episodes for those that are kind enough to support us on Patreon. So that is the $1 tier. And then for the $3 tier, you get the bonus shows like Star Wars You by Podcast, The Robber Report, Making Steel Wars, The Jooklin Strikes Back, and the Patreon Q&As, etc. And your patronage is so appreciated. So check that out at patreon.com forward slash steel wars. And if you want to join in on the fun of the live chat in the hyper chat, we'll be doing another episode Friday afternoon LA time on the West Coast at 5 p.m. If you're on the East Coast, it'll be 8 p.m. And I think it's 10 a.m. if you are on the east coast of Australia. But check the site for the exact local time. And you can watch that stream on YouTube or call in the number just to listen over the phone or even chat with me and the guest. Super fun on the Hyper News. But I think that's all for the plugs for the moment. We've got uh, so many fun things coming your way. A few solo Blu-ray release related things that I think you are going to be pretty interested in. So make sure whatever podcast you used, you are subscribed. And don't be shy to go on YouTube and hit subscribe to our shows there as well. And may that force be with you. Hello, I'm interrupting your show just for a minute to say I'm Claire Twenty, and I'm from the Just Make The Thing podcast. If you are trying to start something or are starting something or trying to make something, then this show is for you. I interview people who make things and make things really successfully like Luke McGregor and Celia Ficola, Will Anderson and some of our wonderful podcasters from the Planet Broadcasting Network as well as my husband man, James, Mr. Sunday Movies himself. I also have some really big-hearted chats with my friend Chanel Luchev, who is a lawyer by day and yoga instructor by night. We talk about life and the struggle of making things. It is real, people. So if this show sounds like it might be for you, you can head to iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. That's Just Make the Thing. Go on, just make it. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. I mean, if you want. It's up to you. If you're after more Star Wars listening, please check out the Making Star Wars podcast network at makingstarwars.net, where you can find such great podcasts as Blue Harvest, First Order Transmissions, Idiots Array, Making Star Wars Now This Is Podcasting, Podcast 2187, Rebel Girl, Rogue One, Tarkin's Top Shelf, The Cargo Hold, and The Sith List. So that's planetbroadcasting.com and makingstarwars.net. Los Angeles tickets are now on sale for our final live podcast of the year at Geeky Tees Magnolia Boulevard, Burbank on Saturday, December 15th at 4pm. For the first time ever, we'll be doing a live podcast version of our annual listener prediction review show where we review 
all the Star Wars news predictions that you guys made at the start of the year. I'll be joined on stage by a grip of previous Steel Wars guests, along with the live audience, to help us decide who was the Jedi Master Star Wars predictor for 2018. And spoiler alert, I did not fare well in this competition. It's going to be a hilarious afternoon of live Star Wars fun, Saturday, December 15th, 4pm at Geeky Tees Burbank. Tickets are on sale at merchostore.com. The link is in the show notes. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.